Welcome to Overdue Classics, the podcast for all the books you've been meaning to read. I'm Brandon LeBlanc, and I'm joined again by Andrew Lipinski and Patty Bianco. How are y'all doing today? Wonderful. Doing well. All right. For all of you at home, the, the Cersei offices are, are under deconstruction as, uh, as Patty and others shift things in North Carolina to a new place, which has long been a prayer. And so this is great excitement for everybody, but also means that Patty's working in a, in a deconstruction zone. <laughs> but uh, we are happy for for that move for everybody involved. So, well, we are returning once again to uh, Saint Basil the Great and on the human condition, uh, which is as we've talked about as a collection of his homilies, primarily um, uh, dealing with uh, human nature and, and humanity, and um, uh, that were first translated into English about twenty years ago, which is kind of exciting. And so we have covered two homilies that were on the actual kind of nature of man, um, as well as uh, last week on why God is not the author of evil. And this week, as I mentioned, I was not looking forward to because it's a homily against anger. Uh, mercifully, it's a little shorter than the other. So like I didn't, you know, it wasn't a on too bad of an onslaught of, uh, of conviction, but um, I'll just jump in and give us a kind of a quick summary and then we'll, we'll dive in. He kind of starts off uh, talking about that, that if we can, it's when we see the result of, of following scriptures, scriptures instruction that we can see it proved out is true. Um, and that is, is true when it comes to scriptures, admonishments against uh, living out things in anger. And he kind of quickly jumps into like how the temper is kind of almost a venom within the body and can can lash out uh in the same way and, and do a lot of do a lot of harm um he talks about how people kind of raging in anger uh are basically operating like someone who's insane um they lack all all reason mm-hmm. um and then uh he talks about how for how that can that can just be kind of all-consuming not only for the person it's aimed against but but more so for the person who is acting in anger. Um, and he reminds us like, you, you know, you know what it feels like when someone comes at you angrily. Um, so, you know, that it's, it's destructive. Let's see. And then he gets into a, specifically responding to someone else's anger with anger, uh, someone's attacks on you with anger and how um, you basically, uh, he spends kind of quite a bit of, of the middle section talking about how you're basically uh, then sinning against the sin. <laughs> you, the idea that, that, well, I was, you know, I was insulted and that was wicked. So I'm going to return it with wickedness um, is kind of ridiculous. And, and hence the comparison to insanity. Um, mm-hmm. There's some really great analogies in here, but I'll come back to some of those as we go through and kind of, uh, slow down a little bit uh, there's a lot of blue there's a lot of blue in my in my book this week for three uh in three in four and three and four uh yeah all through there so um uh and then he talks about how the turning away from from wickedness and choosing not to retaliate um what it actually does to to those who attack us um and then more importantly what it does to our own what it does for our own soul um and then toward toward kind of like six, seven area, he starts to talk about 
that uh, we're given all these faculties, um, including, I guess it starts in five, really, that yeah. there is a there's a just cause for anger. There's a just time for the temper, for your temper to kind of come out. But it's directed not toward your fellow man, but toward the the evil one, toward the source of, of the sin. And that temper can be useful. Um, it, it is a faculty we have uh that's kind of in the image of god but it's only useful as it's um used for our salvation um and not for not when we use our faculties for sin which i think is good he gets into that it kind of draws attention to the fact that any of those faculties right if we're using them toward salvation then they're good if we're using them toward a selfish intent or sin then then they're bad and misuse uh but then he kind of returns to how to how to how to guard against um misusing anger um uh it really comes down a lot to humility um and and uh being able to recognize a when you are there when someone says something that about you that's true but b if it's not true ignoring it and then also that that there i thought it was interesting and we can get into this more he talked he kind of ties back into some of his uh previous homilies we looked at about the, the nature of man and that um that there is an element of us that is somewhat, you know, quote, quote, unquote, worthless, right? It's not, um, it's not, uh, our honor comes from being in the image. And so the things that are not of that is, is kind of worthy of derision and we shouldn't take so much offense about it. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and ultimately it comes down to having a spirit of humility and, and, and meekness, um, uh, in imitation and again, he brings us back to being imitators of Christ and being in Christ likeness. Um, not surprising that the way he responded to, to the vitriol that was thrown at him. Um, and so, yeah, it was just as convicting as I was afraid it was going to be. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. If, you know, in the opening section, one I've just sat with, his sentence near the end. He says, temper is a kind of short-lived insanity. Yeah. And above it, he says, through anger, brothers have become ignorant of each other. Parents and children have forgotten their natural bond. Right? Like the knowing, the ignorance. You no longer know one another. Um, and then it it's through that 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 parent-child bond is so vital and natural. You know, it, it exists in the very nature of the relationship, and yet that faculty of anger obliterates it. Yeah, yeah. And the analogies. Sorry, the analogies. I was just gonna say the analogies are so good in here that he uses. So, what did I you was add? Just thinking of that saying of like you forget yourself. Mm. that it just or you know you, you see red i guess that's another saying mm -hmm. and you just the passion comes up and you forget everything else except what is making you angry well, and when we describe somebody else you're like he went crazy that guy stepped on his foot and he just went crazy yeah. like he lost Brandon his mind night. what's that yeah i said did you brandon last night <laughs> Not last night, but also it wasn't as long ago as last month. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, just for as venom is in venomous animals, so temper becomes in those who are provoked. Yeah. It's like it's there. You know, it's just waiting. It's just waiting to be stuck into somebody like venom. And then for angry persons are first ignorant of themselves, then indeed of all their friends as well. For as a mountain torrents rushing toward for as mountain torrents rushing together toward the valley sweep away whatever is in their path, so the violent and unforgivable, un- ungovernable attacks of angry people likewise sweep through everything. It's it so interesting to me that like the idea that they're um forget yourself and then your friends. Uh, I think I just mentioned to y'all off the air that Kobe and I were reading, I started reading again, started over reading um, Ethics of Beauty, which we had kind of started and stopped a long time ago. Um, and he references another book about Achilles and called Achilles in Vietnam, but it talks about these with, with like PTSD with soldiers, like this kind of berserk state where their range of human connection like collapses into almost to nothing basically. And so they have no, affinity or care for like the human life around them. And that's, that's kind of what I was picturing when I read that part. Yeah. I mean, when you enter into that level, that spot, like the piece PTSD um, and counseling, one of the terms it's called leaving your window of tolerance mm-hmm. of life where you can regulate your behavior and your words, you can th- consider and think of others and then something can happen and you can't, you right. can't think of another nor yourself any longer. Like, just like he says it here. Um, you're ignorant of yourselves as well as your friends. Um, and oftentimes what's said or happens in that space is not remembered. Right. Yeah. 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 Some people withdraw when that emotional, like that leaving the window of tolerance uh, and others lash out. It's not always that when you're out of your window of tolerance that it's a lash out. It's an anger. Yeah. That it can be. And obviously PTSD is an extreme example of this, right? It's, 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 I mean, well, it's when there's an extreme breaking of the soul, right? That needs that needs a very extreme healing. Um, but it's it's the picture of what happens to us even in temporary moments, and we lose our cool for a minute, right? And um, mm-hmm. I bring up this window of tolerance because that that can be every mom who's you know mm-hmm. <laughs> done the dishes and the laundry and the cooking and the cleaning for however long it's been, and maybe just maybe thinks she's got a rhythm, and then lo and behold. In the same day, in the same week, it doesn't matter. Silver nail polish is on the kitchen table because they were painting their Legos. Red lipstick went through the white and khaki laundry load. Um, And the glass jar of olive oil just broke and spilled all over. And you've got to clean the sticky oil plus the glass. Like, and you just, you're, you're not able to tolerate. And so things get said where you're no longer considering yourself or another yes yeah unfortunately they remember those lash outs i remember my <laughs> son he was asking me you know you get stressed and things build up it's not necessarily what comes up in the day like you said all those little things that we have to deal with and so i just was having one of those days and my son's like you know mom what does this word mean? And then I just say, well, look it up in the dictionary. And he, that was me lashing out. And he remembers it to this day in his twenties that mom made him go look up the word in the dictionary. But yeah. 
It's just the mm-hmm. temper, like it just rises and it just happens and, you know, you lose patience. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that takes me right into what I was thinking about with, with section two. Mm-hmm. Um, again, kind of in the middle of that first paragraph, he says, bursting forth to appear visibly, it shows the angry person with an appearance different from one customary. So it's not what the people mm-hmm. are used to seeing of you, right? Um but it was, but above that, it's for, for neither a sword's edge nor fire nor anything else frightening is sufficient to hold back the soul driven insane by anger any more, perhaps, than they hold back those subject to demons from whom angry people differ in nothing, either in appearance or in the disposition of their soul. They appear to, like those po- possessed by demons. Which I think, like, Patty, is why our children remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so this... I'll, and our friends. Now, now I'll talk about dads. Um, <laughs> this is, you know, uh, my my wife over years having to tell me like, it's scary. It like, it makes the people in the house not feel safe. Your children don't feel safe when that happens, and it's this, uh, and it's crushing, right? To to like walk, you know, leave the after this, you know, thing to calm down, whatever. 10 minutes later and to realize that one of my children is somewhere crying or like to like feels like they feels unsafe to walk in the room with me um, because I lost my temper. Right. And so um, it's horrifying. It's, and, and you, you can feel this, like, like I appeared demonic to them, right. I, I appeared right like, as a monster to them, not as the safety from the monsters. Right. And Oh, that's the worst feeling. It's like the worst thing to re- recognizing yourself. Um, yeah, to to take the place that was supposed to be safe and make it unsafe is just crushing. And so, and, and you know, it's it's that's more in your face when it's a little kid. You realize it because the kid just cries and hides, like you should from a monster. Um, and but you but you do the same thing to other adults just because they've learned to like you know, hold it in doesn't mean you're not doing the same kind of damage to them or, or causing the same kind of stress res- response within their body. And, and you know, um, I, doing damage to them physically through that stress response and to their emotions and their soul. And so this was just, uh, yeah, like I said, a very convicting homily to read. Well, a piece of that is like children in a way can't get rid of us. Can't mm. change their friends as adults. Yeah. We can reorient who we spend time with, depending on how they respond with us. Right. And so you're going to spend less time with a friend who gets angry more often. Right. It's yeah, a self-protection right. mechanism built right in to how often I schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for me, like just the harm of it, like you were talking about, Brandon, that, you know, you can see it in, they may not be crying, but you can see it in their eyes, right? If your if your tongue has been unbridled right? mm. and your lips unguarded and you said something rash, you know, you can't take those words back. They're just out there. And you've harmed a little bit of that relationship, whether you meant to or not. I, I've sat with the near the bottom of 83. He says, for maiming of limbs or even death are often the prizes of anger that those fighting carry away. Like, ah. 
Yeah, I think it might have been the section. Was the first section talks about um, objects that are smashed violently suffer greater damage than they cause when shattered against hard bodies, and how we, that anger usually you react by. I I, am, I guess some people withdraw, but I think most people like you know you get angry, you want to grab something and smash it. <laughs> you want to hit something, and yeah, to. I mean, I guess that's, we'll get to it, but um, the soldiers, right, they've, that anger probably pushes mm-hmm. them through to be able to do some of those things, things, things that probably aren't natural in a non-angry state. Right. Well, Andrea, you, had, you said you had to sit with that line. I had to, like, just stop after reading the first two lines of three because for everything I was feeling about how much damage I'm doing to someone else to sit with those mm-hmm. first two lines, number three, section three, do not then cure the evil with evil, nor attempt to outdo each other in such matters. For in contests for superiority and wickedness, the victor is more miserable since he departs having the greater sin. I, I mean, that was the other half of that, right? When I've when I've lost my temper, my kids or my wife or whoever may have been doing something that was an assault on me. You know, I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm just, maybe it was just they were annoying, which isn't really sinful. You know, I just didn't want to deal with it. But mm-hmm. even if they were doing something that was hurtful to me, right? To to respond in such a way that I've, that I've now frightened them or I've, you know, caused all kind of disharmony. There's even more damage done to my own soul through that act. Like, so I had to sit and just, I had to sit with this for a little while. Like it's underlined in blue. It's like, if, yeah, the person who retaliates in wickedness is, has the greater sin. Something that was something that took me a while to kind of wrestle with reading this. Yeah, that line in section three, do not, as it were, become a mirror for the one prone to anger, showing the likeness mm-hmm. of that person in yourself. Yeah, right about it says, do not use your enemy as a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he really kind of tells you the same thing, like three or four different ways that are all really good. Like, they're all really like, oh, oh thought-provoking. Don't be the mirror. Don't let the your, your enemy be your teacher. Like, what? Come on. Stop the evil by silence. Mm. I think that's hard. He talked about, you know, ourselves. I think it's easy for us to, if someone's throwing insults our way, to kind of bear that and be okay with it. But if someone is insulting our friend or our loved one, that's a little more difficult to just be silent mm-hmm. and not not let your temper get provoked mm-hmm. at least for me mm-hmm. this second paragraph in three is where i thought it went back like it kind of really tied back into that second homily on on human nature because mm-hmm. um, he says you know does he spit on you regard you as nothing then accept this thought about yourself that you were taken from earth and you return to the earth again uh Okay, and then it goes on, then it says, uh, it goes on a little farther. Uh, Does he say you are insignificant and lower class and a nobody from nowhere? Then say you are yourself earth and ashes. 
Mm -hmm. We're not more majestic than our father Abraham who called himself these things. Uh, and it goes on. And so that took me back to that second homily where he talks about, yeah, we're made from the dust. Then that's the part of our human nature that's not, it's not worth anything until, until it's given the honor of being breathed in by God and given the image of God. And so just, I don't know. I mean, like it, it, the idea that you could just, well, like if someone says that about you as an insult, you can just accept like, yeah, that's part of that's That's true of me in a sense, you know, like that can just accept that. Just, yeah. I was made from dust. I'll be dust again. Like, okay. Cause, and it's like, it's almost, I think he kind of gets, flushes it out more later, but like the part that's, worth being offended of me is the part that's the image of god right like if, they, if they're because if they're insulting me as another person then they're also they're making insult against there's an image of god in me right mm -hmm. but that's also the part that doesn't need me to defend it like like the image of god doesn't need me the image of god in me doesn't need me to defend it like the image of god's god is perfectly capable of defending himself right and so um there I don't need to take on that. that, that uh, anyway, it, it doesn't need me to fight, basically fight back with wickedness in order to defend it. So, um, and then thus attack the image of God in the other person, right? I, all I'm going to do is a, attack the image of God in that person. If I sling mud back, I'm like, oh, you're an idiot, you know, whatever. I don't or know. you're fueling the fire, right? Whenever right. you get in a shouting match with someone, right? You get louder, right. you know, try to get over the other one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you're silent, right, then, you know, th that distinct, you know, that ex extinguishes their flame. I yeah. Think. Um, We're just amplifying the part of both of us that's ash, right? And, and degrading the part that's, that's the image of God. In the middle of the last paragraph on 85, he says, oh, twofold, do not overturn your own purpose. So if my purpose is to glorify God, don't overturn that. Um, and do not appear to be easily accessible to those who insult you. Mm. And that's where I said, like, and in the adult world, I can avoid. I can see that friend less often. I can, right. you know, um, it's a little harder when it's somebody in your home mm -hmm. um, yeah. to, to reckon with. Um but yeah, that we need to be less accessible to those who want to, in his words, abuse it, abuse us. Yeah. And so what if, you know, we're the abuser? Mm. Do we need to remove ourselves? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Better to just not be around. <laughs> yeah, if we can't control our anger. Mm-hmm. He also says, when abused by Aaron and Miriam, Moses did not accuse them before God, but prayed for them. Yeah. So that, yeah. that can be hard too, right? Pray for your abuser or your enemy. Yeah, I won't get into too much detail, but the last, last Lent, um, Kobe, was, Kobe shared it with me, so um, was confessing a difficulty in being forgiving to someone and the priest, you know, asked her about, she prayed the Jesus prayer, like, well, you know, she's praying, she's praying and Lord have mercy on me. And then he's like, well, have you prayed that for that part? Like Lord have mercy on so-and-so on the person. And she's like, Oh, 
no. And then she did that. Right. And it was just like this, this total difference in posture, even in prayer to have mercy on the person who you were having a hard time forgiving. Right. Um, how much that just changes. And it, you know, hopefully that person will change. Right. And stop doing the thing they're doing. That's hurting you that you're having a hard time forgiving, but it, it makes it so much easier for you to forgive when you're praying that prayer. Like it just does. It just happens because your, your, your stance toward that person is already has already shifted. As soon as you do that, you're, you're already in a position of forgiveness when you, when you allow yourself to do that. Right. And so, um, it's, you know, it's powerful. Yeah. I I do think it's hard though, that the solution, right. To anger is, is humility. (laughs) You have to humble ourselves. Be long suffering. (laughs) Yeah. That, there you go. So that's what I say. He says, you know, he, he pairs these things up, abusiveness, magnanimous, uh, prone to anger, hard to bear, Mm. or we can be long suffering and meek. We can be people who change their minds on what they've said, or we can never repent of our virtues. Yeah, yeah I, like, I really like that last line. He yeah, will he, change his mind about the things he said, but you will never repent of your virtue. Yeah. I had to think about that. I was like, yeah, I guess ultimately that person will change their mind one way or another. They're either in this life or the next, they're going to realize they're wrong. Right. And, the, and so, uh, yeah, that was good. Okay, forehead like one of my like he's got so many good analogies in this in this homily. Yes. But forehead one of my favorites when he's like when he asks those such series of questions. But when you take revenge and, and oppose the abuse by equaling it, what will you say in your defense? Is it enough that he provokes you? Because that's always our like. Well, he started it, mm-hmm. and does that make you does that make you worthy of pardon? And then this like just drives it home. For the fornicator who transfers the blame to his girlfriend as having greatly enticed him toward the sin is no less worthy of condemnation. Like, oh, like when we think about it in time, like in context of like other sins, you know, what I mean? it's like, oh, yeah, that's not going to get you off the hook. Well, like, well, you know, she kept asking, you know, like, it's OK, like it doesn't justify what you did, you know. Yeah, I do think it's funny, like, I don't how long this was written and it makes me think of like middle school you know someone insulting you you're crazy right. you're silly you're you know oh yeah, yeah paper you're glue you know those types of things and and then this too like you know well they made me do it right and yeah. i was with the cool crowd you know i was just going along with, <laughs> with them. yeah yeah i'm teaching just seventh grade like i have one class where i teach seventh graders this year and so I'm around, that's the only time I'm really kind of around the students here at the school is, and so it's the junior high kids. And it's like, well, he, but he, but he did. And it's like, mm, that's not really, that doesn't work for an excuse. Like you're still responsible for your own behavior. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, you brought it up earlier and here's where it says it at the top of 90 or 87. Do you not see how arrows naturally pierce through hard and rigid objects, but their force is blunted by soft and yielding objects? Consider indeed that the power of abuse is of the same kind. Mm. One who resists it receives it into himself, right? Because we become rigid and resist. While one who yields and withdraws dissolves by his gentleness of character the wickedness brought against him. I wrote a big woe out on that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm an archer. My my sons are much better than me. And so um, 
like, yeah, I've, I've seen the things yeah. we've shot at um, and how it, it responds. Right. Yeah. If you shoot like a rigid piece of wood, it'll just crack it in half. But if it's yeah. like a pile of hay with a target, it just kind of takes it. It doesn't go in as far. It doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pillowy. Yeah. This, this, this whole section has these great like sets of rhetorical questions too, uh, mm-hmm. but right like right up to right where you, where you were, you know, uh, for if temper is wicked, why did you not turn away from the evil? But if it is worthy of pardon, why are you annoyed at the bad tempered person? If you if you can pardon temper, then why didn't you just pardon the guy to begin with? And then this was the best. Uh, suppose he calls you a poor laborer. If he speaks truly, admit the truth. But if he lies, what are his words to you? If someone insults you, but the insult is true, like you were being lazy, then yep, be like, yep, I was being lazy. But if you weren't, why do you care if someone's lying? Like, <laughs> why do you just just ignore the person who lies? It's like, okay. He's right. silent. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously the ones you, right before where you started, where it talks about the arrow, like, does it naturally pierce through the hard objects and things? But... I love it's it. Our pride, like we, you know, so and so saying bad things about me, talking behind my back, and that pride yeah. comes up. I got to defend myself. We're like in I the can't th- just let it go. Yeah, and we're in the thick of well, we're about to be in the thick of of politics season in America, and like I know, I think there's a second debate coming up for the Republican primaries or whatever soon. And I was just thinking, like. I'm trying to imagine what would happen if this happened on stage where someone was like, well, you, when you were governor, you did this and it had this horror, it, it, it went totally bad. If the guy was like, yeah, yeah, that was a big mistake. Like I made a huge mistake. Um, you know, I thought I was doing what was best turned out bad. I learned from it. Hope, you know, I'll do the same thing as president. I'll try not to make mistakes. And when I do, I'll admit to them and I'll learn, try and learn. And like, like, can you imagine someone actually saying that on stage? I was like, I kind of probably would vote for that guy, but like, but no, it's yeah, always we'd have it's, so much more respect for them, right? But it's always a deflection. It's always like, well, it didn't work because my opponents, you know, undermined it, blah blah blah, or well, it wasn't my fault. The guy that I put in charge of the program, you know, it's always a pass the buck situation. And even when we have a like, it's rare. It's so rare for like the a leader to be like, this was me, like that general was working for me whatever mistake he made is mine like you know like i'm just imagining what that would look like for someone to sweep like yep you're right i made that mistake or yep i did that when i was you know, especially when they bring up stuff from like well when you were in college you you know you wore this offensive costume or you know whatever it was like yeah that was really stupid i was 22 and that was super dumb i really regret doing that like you know what i mean like no well, one, we can no see one. that the same yeah that was super dumb <laughs> Um, it's just like, it's just never how they respond. Like, but I can't, I'm just trying to imagine like a politician responding that way. So anyway, as I, I thought of that when I was reading this section, I was like, just imagine what that would be like. And if it's a lie, just be like, just ignore it. Like, just ignore the, just move on, <laughs> go right past it. But no, they don't know how to do that as individuals right. or society. So as you said, like all kinds of examples or, or analogies are given here, but then he ends this. Have you been struck? <laughs> so also was the Lord. Have you been spat upon? So also was our master. For he did not turn away his face from the shame of spitting. Were you falsely accused? So also was the judge. Did they tear off your garment? They also stripped my Lord and divided his clothes among themselves. 
You have not yet been condemned. You have not yet been crucified. Many things are lacking to you. You would overtake him through imitation. Yeah. Yeah. You got a long way to go to catch up to Jesus, basically, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in bearing insults. Yep. My favorite response in that one was, or, or my, like the, the wording was, uh, were you falsely accused? So also was the judge. <laughs> like that turn of <laughs> phrase was just brilliant. I was like, the the judge was falsely accused. Like, hmm, okay. All right. Yeah. I titled this great. section two titles. One was hold confidence in who Jesus says I am, not another. Yeah. Right? Okay. The other one, be rubber. <laughs> be rubber. <not. laughs> nice. Right? Scotty, when we were kids, be rubber. That's I'm right. Rubber, I'm rubber, you're, you're glue. glue. Oh, so good. Be rubber. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's just, I just, I just, his turn of phrase is just great. It's so simple, yeah. but so, so brilliant. The next section, um, I wrote a little note toward the top of page 88, uh, mm-hmm. where, where it says, remembering, uh, say, accordingly, it's necessary to hold back the, the frantic and passion driven movement of the soul by remembering the examples of blessed men, because he just talked about David, mm-hmm. um, how meekly the great David bore the ravaging, the, the raving violence of Shimei. Um, it's like a little note out to their side. They're like saints lives, martyrs. Like this is why we like, we read up about the, the heroes of faith, right. That came before us, whether it's those listed like in Hebrews in the new Testament, or, uh, you know, I grew up on stories of, of, um, Jim Elliott and those guys, you know, like, and, and not just, well, those guys who died, right. But then their families who then forgave those people who killed their spouse, their husbands and fathers mm-hmm. and continued to bring them the gospel. Right. And so, um, it, uh, you know, and you, you can go back for martyrs. There's just, you know, an, on this unending list, sadly. Um, but these are the people who this church has, has celebrated from, from the pages of the new Testament to today. Right. We still do. And so this idea to kind of, remember to dwell on the on these examples of faith um of of the meek um was a good one for me like this is why we spend time well this is why we're reading right someone who we call saint basil the great right his own uh his own life is a, is a good example too but um yeah anyway that's my little note there at the top of 88 i think this was the first time he re- referenced anger as a faculty mm. Um, here in section five mm-hmm. yeah. and how with the virtue of prudence that those two together need to cooperate yeah this is where we get his his kind of turn right from mm-hmm. towards proper place so at the end of 88 in that paragraph how then can we flee the damage caused by anger we can persuade temper so we still have to have a reason, right? We can persuade temper not to act before thought, but let us first take care that it never runs ahead of reason. Let us keep it like a horse under a yoke and let it obey reason as if it were a kind of bridle, never stepping outside its own place, but being led by reason wherever it guides it. Further, the soul's faculty of temper is useful to us in many of the acts of virtue. Who was going to add something? Well, no, I was. Just, I'm glad you brought this up that or read that section because this reminded me. I, I forgot. Uh, it made me think of of like the Phaedrus, right, in the description of the soul, and it almost makes me like think of, if we're talking about 
if we're, I mean, he doesn't get into this here, but if you're talking about the, the idea of the tripartite soul, then this mm-hmm. faculty of temper almost kind of lives in the, in, in the belly in the, or in, in that horse that that's the needs to be kind of controlled by the noose and the, I don't know. I'm, the, I don't have to unpack all the faders either, but, but this idea that, that it would kind of live in that, that's where it lives, right? But that it has to be under the rule of of a chest and a if it's a, if it if it's a belly kind of um, faculty of the soul, then it has to be under the guidance of the noose through the strength of the chest, right? Um, in order for it to be directed at the right thing and to be a useful a useful um, faculty. On top of 89, it says, for the temper is a sinew of the soul, producing vigor in it, for the accomplishment of good actions. Mm-hmm. So maybe like the reins of <laughs> the horse. Because we need our temper to be aroused against the evil one so that we mm-hmm. will not, mm-hmm. we will be able to hate him as much as he deserves. Right. He ties it to like courage and austerity, you know, when it's rightly used. Mm-hmm. For I hold it as necessary to have equal zeal for the love of virtue and for the hatred of sin. That's blue. Yeah. Same. Same. And that's yeah. so that's the spot where I feel like he opens this door to say, okay, so there's a place for this hatred. We need to hate the evil one. We need to hate sin. Yeah. This is the line I was thinking of that the cooperation of the faculty of temper with the prudent part of the soul is the most excellent or appropriate. So if you're thinking about the prudent part of the soul being the news, right. Uh, and then the faculty of temper is appropriate in, in, when it's in, in cooperation with that, with prudence. Mm-hmm. And that and last pair la- of the soul. Yeah. That's like holding, holding pieces together. Right. Yeah. Wow. Which gets me like, why at the end of stories do we ask children, how did the ending of the story make you feel and why? Mm-hmm. I think it, it gets at that. It makes more sense to me because I was reading, it might be the next part where he's talking about the righteous anger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, was it Phineas? His just anger against the fornicator and he like mm-hmm. struck them through with a javelin. And at first I was like, um, <laughs> no, how to, like, is it is that okay pilot? that he just, you know, <laughs> rammed some people through? But that makes sense to me that, um, right, this hatred of sin, this, that would be a just anger. Right. Like that's a weird combo. Psalm four, five, be angry, but do not sin. Right. Well, and in Phineas's case, it described him as being a kind and gentle person, right? Um, yeah. It's interesting, too, that he talks about their sin, like the fornication, they uh, open and shameless, they did not hide the unseemly side of their shame. Um, it's almost like a, a flaunting of the of it, right? There's this kind of, so, which makes me wonder, like, is then is it is it is it just and right? Because that kind of open rebellion can can be a poison to the community, right? Can be a mm-hmm. if it goes unpunished, it's like, well, they're fornicating and not, you know, laughing about it in the street and kind of mocking God, right? Like, who cares? You know, 
that can that can that mentality can kind of infect the community right and cause others to fall into the same kind of sin by by well seems like it's fine they're doing it and they're not suffering for you know that kind of thing so maybe that's why he reacts the way he does and it's considered just by by saint basil in this in this homily he tries to go ahead penny well, it was making me think of, you know, the the verse where it talks about turn the other cheek mm-hmm. um, and how how to reconcile that. But to me, it seems like if if you're if it's something little like someone calling you poor, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. poor labor um, versus, you know, you're sinning against God, maybe against that image that you were talking about. Right. If this is going against the image. Mm-hmm. Christ and this person, then that's something that we have to have a just anger for. We don't just turn the other cheek. Yeah. Right. And it seems like I'm, I'm just kind of looking through these and it doesn't seem like any of these examples he gives us Moses arming the Levites to kill other Israelites. Uh, the, you know, um, Phineas uh, and the, and the kind of, uh, proudly fornicating Zambrini and the Midianite woman. Um, and then Samuel with, with Agag, which would have like, he was, he would have been, a uh, he would have been involved in kind of like specific demon idol worship type stuff, uh, being allowed to live in like, these, none of these are examples of the person who do, who's do, who's, who's exhibiting the righteous anger is being personally attacked or affronted. They're not insulting mm-hmm. Samuel. They're not insulting Phineas. They're not insulting Moses. Mm-hmm. They are in some way attacking the the people of God, the the uh the the sovereignty of God or something along those along those lines. And so in none of these cases are they are they striking out in anger because they were personally insulted or hit or slapped in the cheek or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Right, they're not acting on behalf of their own pride or um, reputation. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it's not arousing pride. Mm-hmm. It's not in the combination. Hmm. I didn't know what he was pulling at at the top of ninety-one. He says he had his. Oh, no idea what that is. And yet, as temper and anger are different words, so also their meanings differ greatly from each other. For temper is a certain kind of heating and quick rising and steam of passion. But anger is an abiding sorrow. Like, that was odd. It's an abiding sorrow and a lasting impulse toward vengeance against the wrongdoer, as if the soul lusts for requital. Therefore, it's necessary to know that human beings offend through both dispositions, either moved insanely and capriciously by provocations or deceitfully and treacherously lying in wait for those who Mm. grieve them. We must guard against both of these errors. So it seems that anger is the longer seated piece of that. That's how I read that. Okay. So... I don't know that the way I, I'll speak for myself, currently use the words delineates those two different kinds of um, suffering. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, it's interesting because that means that he spent most of his time so far, really, even though it's called a 
homily against anger. He's, he's, he spent most of his he time was, dwelling on temper, right? right. Mm-hmm. So when I saw this and then I had to go back, I was like, okay, every time he used the word temper, I placed the word anger in there. I read mm-hmm. them as the same, um, but they're not. Yeah. And so in the beginning, when he says that one is a, what is he, uh, in, uh, a lived insanity, uh, I titled section one as anger is short-lived insanity. But then when mm. I looked, his actual word is temper is a kind of short-lived insanity, mm. not anger. It's almost like anger is more more calculating and more, like you said, longer. I'm trying to think about like how we use those words. Mm-hmm. I, I understand. I hear what you're saying. I kind of like that he gave those definitions, and I was thinking, it's like, well, maybe I just have a temper issue and not an anger issue. <laughs> you felt relieved. <laughs> I felt a little relieved. I guess I'm just temporarily insane. But the. Um, <laughs> But it made me reminded me of book one of Herodotus and remember how, you know, there would be things that would happen. And the one king who planned out this whole thing to get back at his servant because um, he had disobeyed him. Right. He was going to kill his son and he hit his son. And then so he plans this whole thing to take this guy's son and serve him up for dinner. Right. So this is like bitterness so much in his heart this angerness yeah right yeah. you're wrongly but it's more andrea, calculating that's, andrea that's the first part of that stuff that we talked about with brian in the in the that's um guessing this or, or stay a cycle too right that's that yes. family line that's the yeah. one and it's in herodotus the, some of that backstory is in herodotus um the first book yeah it's well, and the um, sins of the father live on in the children yeah I think I, like, I understand what you're saying, Andrew, because I think I do use those words interchangeably often. But mm-hmm. then I also do think that we use we do use them differentiated in in common, just common parlance. Like um, we'll say I lost my temper. Right. So you, it's like this thing. Right. That, we know that's short, quick. You had control over it and you lost it. Right. Mm-hmm. When you when you lash out, it's that irrational version of it, not the properly directed at evil version of it. I lost my temper. Um, whereas, it sounds like anger can be properly directed. I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Brandon. No, um, well, I think I think temper can be properly directed also. Like I think Phineas, it was probably like it happened. Mm-hmm. He's his heat rose quickly, but it was a righteous heat, right? Um, okay. And but my anger, I can also have a long term anger that's wrong. Like I I I know that I do both, right? I know that. I'll just stay angry for days, you know, if I'm in a bad place, something will happen and maybe I've lost my temper, but then I just stay angry about whatever it was. Or if I didn't lose my temper, I just stay, I'm just saying other person doesn't even know that I'm angry at them. Right. And by other mm-hmm. person, I mean, you know, usually my wife or my children. Um, but it, and then I'm like mad because they're not recognizing that I'm mad at them and they haven't apologized for the thing I want them to apologize for. And you know, whatever, I'm just sitting in my anger. Um, and it stews, right? It thinks of like revenge type things. Well, I'm going to get them by doing this. Blah, blah, blah. And so that, I guess, I think is how he's describing anger, whereas temper is like a quick thing. And it can be a quick thing in a righteous direction if I'm, if I'm a humble, if I am really a humble person and, mm-hmm. temp- and typically kind and gentle and, and humble, mm-hmm. but I can, I am in the right place to act in actual 
with actual a temper toward a righteous temper. Um, and my anger can also be that way, right? I can, I can have a longstanding anger against the sins of the world against, you know, um, famine and war. And those things can make me angry or, you know, I can, I should be angry about those things existing. Right. Right. Um, and I, and that kind of, I guess if, if my, if my unholy anger is me stewing and, and thinking of vengeance toward mm-hmm. someone, then a holy anger toward unrighteous things would be, yeah. I'm angry about the fact that there are, you know, people starving in the world. Oh, I'm going to use that anger to like figure out how we feed people. Right. Like I'm going to use that anger as motivation to like fix that problem. Right. Uh, maybe, I don't know. So that he's saying that both things can be, can be, you can offend through both dispositions. So I would think that if a temper can be directed rightly, then so could anger. Hmm. This next question is how then can the passion avoid being directed toward what it must avoid? And how do we, how do we do it rightly versus wrongly? Yeah. Yeah. And he says, if you were taught beforehand, the humility, which the Lord both prescribed in word and modeled in action to me, that's the picture he's giving us with Phineas. Like, he was a humble person. He had schooled himself in humility. So when the when the occasion arose for righteous anger or righteous temper, he he acted rightly because he had already he had already developed this this, this nature of humility in himself by being humble before God. So, and that like takes me to the middle of the of seven there in the middle of ninety one that big paragraph. He asks a question. For if you have become accustomed to being last of all, in accord with the commandment of the Lord, when will you be irritated at having your dignity affronted? I like that he says, when a small child abuses you, the insults are an occasion for laughter. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't always laugh. (laughs) Depends on the insult, I guess. But Kids are honest. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what's hard. Because what they're saying is, like, I remember I... uh, I had like a, a bright white spot in the middle of one of my front teeth that was whiter than the rest of the tooth, mm-hmm. you know, and I worked with little kids throughout high school. And one of the kids was like, what's wrong with your tooth? And um, I just made up a story. I was like, oh, I've just got some white bread stuck to the front of it. <laughs> the kid is looking at me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I was always very self-conscious of it. So I just made up stuff, you know, like just keep, keep, keep going. Um, so, but it was honest. What he said was like, yeah. And he doesn't know, this little six-year-old in front of me who I'm trying to help with his reading, that it bothers me that I've got this white spot on the front of my mouth. Um, right. Yeah. I do wish I could get to that point, though, later where he says, if you put aside from your mind these things, the noise of the words hurled at you will appear instead as empty echo. Therefore, cease from anger and leave behind temper. I think that's where it's like, where does that one start? If you put away, put behind, where does it start, Patty? The part Um, you just read, where is it? It's at the bottom of the page. Very last. 91? couple sentences. Yeah, 91. Thank you. If you put a second in your mind, both of these, the noise of the world hurled at you 
will be an empty antidote. Yeah, that. And I think, so he says, you know, you've got to put that aside. But I think we have to put on the mind of Christ, for lack of a better word, but the the knowing of who we are, the knowing that I I am dust and I'm the image of God. Mm -hmm. I I think it's back to knowing ourselves um, that allows me to put aside somebody else's words. I think that's the part that makes us rubber. Yeah. Right. Like what more? There is nothing better. I'm a child of the most high King. That's all. What what you got? (laughs) There's nothing you can do or say. I know I'm dearly loved. I'm provided for. I'm gifted. And so are my friends around me. And when I hear other things come out of their mouths, yeah, Lord have mercy on my friend, a sinner. And I think of him on the cross saying, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they say. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's rooted in knowing who we are. Yeah, that last section was convicting that about um, you know, if, if this takes possession of the inner self, mm-hmm. then it closes the entrance to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. For where enmity, strife, temper, quarreling, contentiousness, and never silent clamor are produced in the soul, there the spirit of meekness does not rest. Right? Which, uh, how could it, right? How could it rest in a place that described by that enmity, strife, temper, quarreling, contentiousness, never silent clamor? That doesn't sound like a place of rest at all, right? And so how could how could meekness rest there? That's where an anger or temper become a wicked demon coming to birth in our very souls. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Sounds... We're allowing a shameless inhabitant to take possession of our inner self and close the entrance to the Holy Spirit. We need practice in being last. Yes, we do. Especially if we want to inherit the earth. So it's a pretty amazing space. Yeah. This was good. This is this whoever put well, uh, whoever. Um Nona Harrison, who chose to put these homilies into one volume, is pretty smart and gives us a good um place to enter into the wisdom of St. Basil. So really enjoyed this. Okay, I didn't look ahead. I just looked. I mean, I probably looked in the very beginning, but it didn't stick out at me. Um, that the next homily is on the words. These quote words in quotation marks is the title. Be attentive to yourself. Yeah. I have a feeling. I haven't really read ahead either, but I have a feeling that is not about our modern idea of self-care, but I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> it's probably not what it's about. Probably not. Probably it's about. not. Might have to do something with so, our identity in Christ. Uh, something, but I doubt it has to do with self-care okay. as, as uh, Instagram would have me believe. So, um, all right. Well, we're uh, not going to go have a spa day, Brandon. On this I one? mean, <laughs> I think we all should get one after we get to the end of this book. Uh, our soul needs it. Um, but no, um, 
in our three separate states. So <laughs> excellent. Uh, uh, it is good. It is good to be in this. It is good to be this in a busy time of year. As we mentioned, Cersei's moving offices and people are uh, now a month or so into the school year and things are starting all the shininess of the new school year is wearing off and it's time <laughs> to settle in. And, but in some places it's still too hot to feel like it's a nice fall and all these wonderful things. It's a, it's a busy time of year and Cersei's got all kinds of stuff going on, things coming up and things you can still get in on uh, yes. at the last minute. Right. Andrea has one way to, I don't, I mean, yeah, to be a, I was like, can, can I call it being attentive to yourself by <laughs> for yourself in that way? I don't know. We'll have to see what Basil has to tell us about it. That's right. Um, in the atrium, there's still three offerings this year uh, to learn more about Christian classical education by reading David Hicks's book, Storms and Nobility with Tanya Rozelle, to read three Shakespearean plays with Heidi White, or to read about great ideas, six of them, the first one being Courage. Um, with Jonathan Council to where everybody's reading books that they choose, which is right. A different ownership in our, um, mm, yeah. Our cultivation of virtue and wisdom, um, when we're choosing the book and asking, looking for the virtue. So, yeah, that one seems really cool. It's a newer one. So, uh, mm -hmm. I don't, um, you know, I've, I've spent time with the norms nobility and, it's, I, I can't imagine going through that book without having people to talk to you about it because there's just so much that you just want to talk about or ask questions about. Um, obviously, Shakespeare is one of the richest corpuses of any writer. Mm -hmm. And to, to to dig deep into three of those plays is incredible. Uh, and with Heidi. Then, yeah, with Heidi, who like that's she just loves, right? And Heidi, mm -hmm. um, Heidi, who I appreciate because she she is a um, she's a champion for the histories, which oftentimes get left out of people's like favorites lists. So, um, and then, and then to sit, to be with Jonathan, like helping just kind of orchestrate a conversation that's bringing all these voices together from different works people are picking, um, seems super cool. So it'd be like a, just a really fun, like, like, yeah. Interactive survey of the, of the great ideas is just really cool. So, and in that class, there's not just teachers, there's, I want to just say people, yeah. who want to learn about thinking this way together and leading these kind of conversations to bring it back to their communities. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, we know that, I mean, well, well, we've seen that there's just, just interest in thinking about the big things that people aren't able to find a lot of times where they are. And so it's cool to bring people together who care about those things and, and talk about them from different walks. Like you said, not all teachers, people who just want to be part of this conversation too, that aren't necessarily teaching. So it's very cool. Mm. All right. Well, until next week, uh, thank you both for, for joining us or joining me. Uh, and thank all of you at home for pulling this book off the shelf and dusting it off and joining us uh, for this episode. Um, hope you'll come back next week when we do discuss uh, homily on the words of be attentive to yourself. Uh, I hope you'll also check out all the other shows on the Cersei Podcast Network.